The message you're about to listen to is produced by the Trans Edge Church. We believe you will be blessed and changed by it. The Trans Edge change is inevitable. How many of us have had a good week so far? Good week. Don't pretend. If you've not had a good one, then let's start with you. Okay. Have you had a good week so far? That's fantastic. You know you can be honest, right? To say it's not been really great. But thank God. I'm still here. You you, You know you can be that honest. And that is not about professing negative, negative things, right? But it's just saying, brethren, I belong to this house. I've not had a good week. <laughs> right? And the most important part is that God makes all grace abound towards us. He makes all grace. The grace to function, the grace to be in health, the grace to be prosperous, the grace to have even a good week, he makes it abound towards us. Hallelujah. So tonight, we're just going to continue from where we stopped. And we are still on the armor of God, right? The armor of God. How many of us are still excited about the armor of God? Okay. Because as Christians, this is majorly what our lives being on earth is about. Being on earth. We would not need the armor when we get to heaven. Well, whilst we're on earth, let's take advantage of this whole armor of God. You see, you would only need armor depending on your environment. It's quite interesting how Gun laws are going on in the United States, right? And almost, well, I wouldn't say almost everybody because I don't know, but most people have got guns, okay? And the reason why they've got guns is just for what may happen. But for us, we're not wearing the armor because we are afraid. We're wearing the armor because that's what is, is a part of our makeup on a, on a daily basis. And the armor is not just about the physical things, but rather what God has available for us on a daily basis to help protect our minds. You see, there's no armor for the spirit. The armor is only for the things that are physical the head protecting your mind, right? It says we've got the helmet of salvation protecting your mind, helping you to understand that you are born again. But let's, let's go through it. Ephesians chapter 6, or yeah, chapter 6 verse 10. And this time I'm reading from the New International Version. Or rather, let's read from the Amplified Version. Would that be all right? Okay. In conclusion, be strong in the Lord. Be empowered through your union with him. Mm. 
be empowered through your union with him. And in the power of his boundless might, put on the full armor of God for his precepts are like the splendid armor of a heavily armed soldier. So that you may be able to successfully stand up against. Do you, are you starting to get it? It looks like we've not been reading it at all. But it's good to read from a different perspective, isn't it? So, so that you may be able to successfully stand up against all the schemes and strategies and deceits of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. That is contending only with physical opponents. No. So, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this present darkness. He calls this world present darkness. And that is why you always see terrible things happen. I've heard of some people that don't just watch TV because they feel, you know, television is just full of bad ideas. And some watch TV, but they ensure that they don't watch the news. And truthfully, how many times have you heard on Channel 7 or 9 or 10 or SBS? Good news that makes you really happy. Talk to me. Uh-uh. None. But there's always the idea of and one plane fell killing 120 people and the other plane fell you know, killing 500 people. <laughs> and then there was this earthquake in this city, in this nation full of bad news. And that is not to say the news is not real. It's okay to understand what is going on around us. But what did the scripture say about you? He said, with your ears shall you hear. He said, but it will not come near you. And that is the confidence that we have in him. We've got confidence in him. It's not because Australia is so safe. Because there is no day in this city that someone is not stabbed or shot. True? But you are hiding under the shadow of the Almighty. Right? Praise God. All right, let's do it. Mm. Verse 12 again. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, contending only with physical opponents, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly supernatural places. Therefore, put on the complete armor of God so that you will be able to successfully, I like the idea of successfully, right? It says so that you will be able to successfully resist and stand your ground in the evil day of danger and having done everything that the crisis demands to stand firm in your faith, in your place, fully prepared, immovable, victorious. Say amen. So it says, so stand firm and hold your ground, having tightened the wide band of truth. That's the belt of truth. Personal, and it calls the belt, belt of truth personal integrity and moral courage. Around your waist and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and upright heart. 
and having strapped on your feet the gospel of peace in preparation to face the enemy with firm-footed stability and the readiness produced by the good news. He said, and above all, lift up the protective shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation in the southern spirit, which is the word of God, with all prayer and petition, pray with specific request at all times, on occasion, and, every, and in every season in the spirit. Hallelujah. So we've been studying this chapter for God knows how long, right? Six weeks, would you say? About that. And we took a break of two weeks. And we've been talking about the, the various elements of God's armor. And we talked about, the, we already mentioned a few of them today. The breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation, the belt of truth. And what others? All right. With your feet shod with the gospel of peace. What other one? We just read them. Well, we'd already talked about that. The sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. The sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And we started, that, started on that last week Friday. And I want us to quickly complete that tonight. And then go on to pray in the spirit. Now, the sword of truth, which is the word of God. It's quite interesting how he calls it the sword of truth. And I'm not going to go through that all over again because we already started talking about it on Friday last week. But this time, I want to show you something a little different. Hebrews 12.4. It says here, in your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. See, and have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son? And he says, my son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines the one he loves and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. That is interesting. But I want to make a difference between that and suffering. The difference between what we just read and suffering is big. You know how some people fall sick. They feel like, you know what, God has put this sickness on me just to punish me. No, God does not do that. But scriptures talks about God sending his word and healing all their diseases. Would you, as a mother or as a father, put sickness on your son just because you want to discipline him? No, you wouldn't. And if you wouldn't, why do you expect God to? Or why do you think anything that is wrong with you is from God? It's not possible. It is not. And here, it's starting to talk about if anything of such happens, get to understand that you can rebuke it. You can refute it. 
Hold up your shield of faith. Rebuke it. But it talks about something a bit different. It said, in your struggle against sin, you have not resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son? And that is how God wants you to start to see him, that he addresses you as a father who addresses child. And you say, my son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline. And the part I want to draw your heart or your, your mind to there is that don't make light of the Lord's discipline. Don't make light of it. What does that mean? Don't take it, don't take it for granted. Don't take it as though it really doesn't matter. Right? Okay. So in other words, when God disciplines you, it's not grievous. Because something that you feel like, well, it really doesn't matter, means it really does not affect you. So in other words, God's discipline does not kill you. It's not designed to kill you. It's designed to show you, to help you learn. To help you learn. He says, so don't take it for granted and don't be discouraged. Don't lose heart when he rebukes you. And at times, God's discipline comes as a result of someone else who is possibly your leader at church speaking to you about either about your lifestyle or about something that you ought to do. Or you probably might just sit before God in prayers and you're praying. And God is delivering some messages into your heart and telling you that business that you've just signed up for. Can you not do it, please? And you're thinking, no, I've already signed a contract, God. And God is saying, can you not do it? He said, but, he said, but you didn't ask me. So, okay, why don't you want me to do it? Because I can see the distance from where I am standing more than you. Don't touch it. And then you could get angry. And say, oh, okay, all right, God. But he said, don't make light of it. And don't lose heart when he rebukes you. Because the Lord disciplines the one he loves. And he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. And in verse 7, he says, Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. So in other words, if there is no discipline as God's child, because everyone undergoes discipline, that's what he says, so then you are not truly sons or daughters of God. And at times, he gives you these words and you go, this is not the type of word I was expecting. But he's just showing you that, hey, this is real home. At home, there are some things that you will like. There are some things that you may not. And when you want to start to establish the love between someone, and the other person. Marriage. Or a loving relationship. Lasts. Further than honeymoon. Right? Honeymoon is. Is said to be the most. Beautiful part. Of a marriage. But you know. 
During honeymoon, marriage has not started. It has not. And you might try to pretend as though everything is great. And on, until the very day you have your first fight, marriage has not started. Have you realized that? But when you fight, I don't mean physical fight. All right. But when you have that serious argument that one person is thinking, it's, oh, wow, I just realized that is a mistake that I came into your life. That's when marriage just started. That very moment. That very moment. You see, the first regret is your first year in marriage. Because until you start to regret, your, your legs are not on the floor. Your head is still in the clouds. You go, oh. Do you, do you remember Abraham? Um, not Abraham, Adam. Adam. God, God gave him a woman. He called her Eve. It was out of love that he called her Eve. But when God came back to him and said, why did you do what you did? He said, it's the woman. Did he call him Eve? Call her Eve? No. He didn't call her Eve anymore. He said, it's the woman that you gave me. And that very moment was a point of regret for him. Oh, no. Had I known. But what happened? Did he say, from today onward, Eve, we are not going to be together no. They endured together. I'm not sure why I'm talking about this tonight. They endured together. They stayed together. They connected together. From then onward, they had a child. The first one. Guess what? The first one was a devil. The second one was good. The devil died. Oh, sorry. The angel died. The devil remained. You remember? Cain. Cain was a devil. And Cain killed the, the angel. Abel. Alright, so what I'm saying is God brings you into a place in him where you start to realize that it's not just a joke. That your life as a child of God is real. And that every word that God speaks has a way of affecting your life for the better. And when he disciplines, he does not discipline you because he wants to see you suffer. He disciplines you because he wants to see you grow. John chapter 15 verse 1. It, Jesus was talking about it. He said, I am the vine. And my father is the husband man. I like the way he says, my father, because he has so much regard for the father. He knows the relationship between him and his father. He just knows that anything the father says, I will do. Look at it, verse 1. I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. The King James Version says, the husband man. He said, he cuts off. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does not bear fruit he prunes, so that it will even be more fruitful. And then he said one word in, chapter, in verse 3. He said, you are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. 
So in other words, if he wants to correct you, he comes in his words. He wouldn't correct you out of personal, customized hardship for you. No. He will only correct you by giving you his word. So he says here, you are already clean, already purified, already sanctified, separated because of the word I've spoken to you. And he went higher to say in verse 4, remain in me as I also remain in you. And he says, no branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. And the way to remain in him is by standing in the vine, isn't it? And what sticks the vine together? The word. The word. And finally, talking about the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Whilst we've been talking about how God addresses us, but God does not address us with the word as a sword against us. But he addresses us with the word in order to keep us safe, in order to help us grow, in order for us to mature. But then the word that we receive from him as our sword of the spirit is for offense. Now when I say it's for offense, that, that does not mean to cause offense. But to protect yourself. And don't forget, it says, we do not wrestle against what? All right. So, the word of God in you is not against flesh and blood. It's not against your opponent. He said, but against what? Principalities against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. All right. So, if the word of God that you receive is for offense, in other words, is to tear down that wall of spiritual wickedness in your life. That when you see things are not going right, instead of you thinking about it that, oh, this is God putting this on me to, to help discipline me. No, God does not discipline with evil. Get to know where that is coming from and what do you pull out this time? The sword of the spirit. Pull out the sword of the spirit and say, in the name of Jesus. You know, Jesus had so many things and he precedes it with, it, and it, it is spoken. It is written, actually. It is written. You see, in the garden or, or no, in the wilderness, after his fast, the devil came to tempt him because Jesus was hungry. All right? He's God, but he was hungry. And the devil knew that. And he came to him and said, if you are the son of God, he comes with, if you are to doubt your position in Christ first. And do you know in, in terms of what we've been talking about, about the arm, armor of God, we've talked about your righteousness in Christ Jesus. We've talked about your salvation. But you know the devil will come and ask you, if you think you are righteous, if you think you have been saved. Because he doubts. And he wants you to doubt who you are. So to Jesus, he went, if you are the son of God, you're hungry, aren't you? So yeah, okay, turn the stones into bread. And he knew that Jesus could do anything he wanted to do. 
So the problem was not about turning the stone into bread. The problem was about if you are. Because if Jesus succumbed to him, that means he had doubted his personality. And when he realized that that didn't work for, for Jesus, he said another thing. He took him to a very high pinnacle and he says, hey, can you see all the riches of the world? Can you see? So just bow. Just bow. Just a little bit. And it was, I don't think he was expecting Jesus to worship him. It was just the idea. Just bow. Even if it's just that little one. Don't worry. I'll see it. Just bow. And I'll give you the kingdom of the world. Interesting. That Jesus knows who he is. But for some of us, we'll take it. We'll take it. Someone stole a, 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 a lottery ticket, the winning lottery ticket, and came to you and said, hey, can you see? That number just won. It's mine. If you follow me, I'll share this wealth with you. Question, is that his own? No. The devil is not the owner of the world in any way. He owns nothing. And if he makes promises to you, he's lying. Jesus said he, he, he is a liar. He's been a liar from his youth. He's been a liar. He's the father of all lies. So regardless of what he tells you, he's a lie. Hey, if the devil comes to you and say, you know your name is added, no, that is a lie. The one that he's talking about is different. Never believe him. But what did Jesus say? He said, it is written. Man shall not live by bread alone. It is written. You shall serve no other God, but only God himself shall you serve. It is written. You see, it was the written word of God that Jesus used to, to destabilize the devil. So if... Jesus required the written word of God to destabilize the devil. What do you think about yourself? You require the written word of God to destabilize the devil. Why? Because the devil understands that it is written. Don't try to make up your own words. Use God's word. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. I'm feeling so tired. But why am I feeling tired? I belong to God. It is written, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. I have a renewed strength in the name of Jesus. It is written. You feel sick, right? You feel sick and you don't know what to do about it. You say, I'm feeling sick. I don't know what to do. No, don't stop with I don't know what to do. Think about where it is written in the scriptures. He sent his word and he healed their diseases. I thank you for the word that you've sent to me, God, because my disease is healed. In fact, this disease is not mine. You see, when you start to speak God's word in that way, you are using it offensively against the devil. Whatever is being thrown at you, you are throwing it back. Praise God. 
How come you are scared that you're going to fail? And you've done every other thing. And every, every time that you put your hand in a business, it tends to fail. Why? Because you possibly don't know God's word. Because it is written, whatever you put your hands to do prospers. And light will shine on your way. It is written. Get to know the written word of God. Get to know it. And this is where I ask you, what written word do you know that saves you from all the troubles in your life? What written word do you know? What written word? What's that sword that you have that destabilizes the devil anytime, any day? Huh. How about he that dwells in the secret place of the Most High? And then you don't just leave it at quoting it. Infuse yourself inside it. Are you still here? Don't just read it. Infuse yourself. I dwell in the secret place of the Most High. I abide under the shadows of the Almighty. That is why the devil cannot have me for dinner. You get it? He can't have me. Instead of having me, he look at me and say, no, not, not, not today. <laughs> He'll walk away. Get to dwell in God's word. Dwell in God's word. Why? Because his word is his house. His word is his will. His word is a life. Finally, we read this part last week. And I want us to read it again. Hebrews chapter 4. Or rather chapter 5. Hebrews 4.12. What does it say? For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing soul and spirits, joints and marrows. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. So nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. But the part that I want you to see again is the word of God is alive and active. The word of God is alive and active. Chapter 4, verse 12, Amplified Version. It says here that the word of God is living and active and full of power, making it operative, energizing, and effective. It is sharper than any two-edged sword, penetrating as far as the division of the soul and spirit, the completeness of person. So what I would like you to take away from this is the activeness of God's word. is living and active. Can I say to you that the first medication you need to take when things are happening to you is the pill of God's word. Okay? There's a pill of God's word. You see, it's living and active. When you take it into your system, what do you think will happen? It will re-energize your body. Romans chapter 8, verse 11. It says, if the spirit of him that raised Christ from the dead 
dwells in you, that same spirit shall make life, vitalize your body, your mortal body, by his spirit that resides inside of you. And the spirit of God works effectively with God's word. So, if I may say to you, before anything happens in your life, speak God's word about it. Find a scripture that talks about your situation. You are so sad today and you are not sure why you are sad. Hey, hey, hey. You are not sure why you are sad. Nothing has happened at work. No, you just woke up sad. Don't you know it's wrong? Don't you know that's the devil straight away affecting you, trying to put weight on your spirit? And what do you do? What do you do? You just stay there. Say, oh, I'm just sad. I'm just sad. I'm just going to call church and see if I can speak to Ade. I'm just really sad today. No, before you get to Ade, before you get to Pastor Osas, right? Take a pill of God's word. Take a pill. Sit there and say, Lord, I feel sad. I don't know why. But I checked yesterday, I'm still your child. So, but this sadness will go away and be replaced with joy, unspeakable and full of glory. Or you just, for no reason, you became anxious for nothing. You became anxious. All of a sudden, you were feeling so worried in your spirit. You're feeling so worried. Although the scripture says be anxious for nothing, but you can't help it but feeling anxious. How about the peace that passes all understanding? The peace that, you see, the peace that passes all understanding means you just can't explain it. You can't explain it. Those are the kind of pills of God's word that you can take and say, Lord, it is written, there is a peace that passes all understanding. You say, you shall guard your heart and mind by Christ Jesus. And when anxiety is coming, it affects your mind. When there's sadness coming, it affects your mind. Speak about the peace of God that passes all human comprehension to guard your heart and mind by Christ Jesus. That's all you need. That's all you need. You can't sleep. Take a pill of God's word. It is written, he gives his children sweet sleep. You start a business, it's going down. Take a pill of God's word. Take a pill of God's word. You see, the scripture is full of, and it came to pass. Your situation cannot be different. Take God's word. Speak God's word on your behalf. I will rejoice. You're feeling sad. You're feeling depressed. Ha! Huh. I will rejoice and be glad. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice. For I have made, you see, he said, for I have made my choice to rejoice in the Lord. And Paul said, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, not only once. And until your situation, until your morning is turned into dancing, don't stop speaking the word. Just keep speaking the word. Just keep speaking the word until there is a change. And if you need to yell it, go into the toilet. 
Shut the door. Yell it out. Speak God's word about your situation. And they don't like you at the office. It's okay. Don't throw the word in their face because we fight not against flesh and blood, okay? All right. But, but go back into your car. Shut yourself in the car and just speak God's word about your situation. Speak God's word about your situation. Father, they don't like me because they don't know me. But you like me, right? And Father, I'm walking out of this sky again, full of your glory. And they cannot but come close to this glory. They cannot but have something to do with me. In the name of Jesus, you walk back into work and see the change that will happen. In Jesus' name, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. But he said, we've got the full armor of God. He said, with this armor, we can withstand the wires of the devil. Can we stand on our feet? Can we stand on our feet? The message you've heard was produced by the Trans Edge Church, and we hope it has inspired you. For more information, please visit our website, www.thetransedge.com, or you may contact us by email to frontdesk at thetransedge.com. Thank you.